celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Hi, Kim. You wanted to talk to Dr. Debbie? Yes. Go ahead. Hi. Hi there. I have, um, oh, I guess she's probably about a five-year-old Shih Tzu. Okay. Who we got from the Humane Society, so we really didn't know her background. And she has taken to recently urinating in my grandsons who just moved in, probably about last November. She starts to go in there and she urinates, and not a whole lot, and not all the time. Hmm. And we didn't know if it was a territorial thing. You know, she doesn't. She did it in the house when we first got her, and the Humane Society said sometimes because they're in the kennel, you kind of have to reacclimate them to, to being housebroken. Okay. So yeah. she did that fine, and, and they get along fine. Okay. They okay. play together. You know, there's, there's, you know, no animosity between the two of them at all. She's a real laid-back dog, very, you know, always happy. Her tail's always wagging. Okay. I have another dog in the house, and she's about nine years old, same breed, female. Okay. And when this is happening, is this in the presence of the child no. or other people? No. Never and actually, my husband actually t- caught her yesterday, and he scolded her. But he said she didn't even stop, mm-hmm. you know, because he wanted to shock her. So he said I scol- okay. he scolded her, and she just kept doing what she was doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, and this is where when when dogs have urination accidents, um, inappropriate urination, as we might more clearly define, um, the most important thing to remember is that urine is a communication tool. So I I truly describe it best as saying that dogs have female and the way that they use their urine is to communicate their environment, their territory and communal sense. So there's a lot of different triggers on why a dog might urinate in the home if it's a behavioral-driven cause. Um, Some of it can be uh, dogs that are just wanting to um, share their scent with their their family members within their environment, or in the in situation where maybe when the when the child's not around, um, maybe there's some anxiety with the child being gone. Um, we have to look at things like access to other parts of the house. Is there something else going on elsewhere that that is causing some kind of disturbance for the the pet? Um, so in many of these cases, it's not always a kind of a black and white easy answer, and this is how we're going to approach it. But before we get down that whole behavioral <laughs> pathway, a Shih Tzu, I would make sure that you have taken this baby to a veterinarian and had a, at least a minimum urine sample checked. Okay. Because Shih Tzus are a breed, and I wrote a book on this. <laughs> they are a breed that is very prone to having different types of urinary stones. So that would be definitely very important to make sure that we okay. rule out anything medical first. Um, I told and, my and husband get, that. <laughs> yes, well, tell him doctor's orders yeah. that you know we gotta we gotta get that just off the whole radar. And I will tell you that you can scold your husband for scolding her because <laughs> we're not going to shame her into not urinating. 
what we need to do is not be mad. We need to be compassionate and then look at why this is happening, that there's something going on in the environment that um, is either not to her, her liking or that there's creating some anxiety for her. Okay. So can you keep the door, the act, that's the first step, keeping door closed, uh, baby gate up, just keeping the access of the area down. That's the number well, one thing. Well, what we decided to do is um, during the day, it's not an issue because they're my, you know, He's at preschool, and so the door is shut. But in the mm-hmm. evening, you know, I like him to be able to have access, and so I usually keep her kind of confined to our living room. I just- and then just like a puppy, so then we want to, you know, we're keeping the access limited. Then we're going to follow that with um, positive reward for eliminating in the appropriate area. So this means not just opening the do- doggy door or the back door and letting her do business, but actually at least accompanying her to the potty oh, area. Okay. And then just like she's a little eight-week-old puppy, you're going to say, okay, go to the bathroom, and you're going to praise her or bring treats out and, and really reinforce that aspect of things oh, okay. so that she gets the reward where it's happening in the right place, not so much we're going to scold you when it's done in the wrong place because oh, okay. it's not giving her any kind of sense of what the, your expectations are. Oh, okay, okay. And then there are some dogs that if we think this is truly just a urine marking, kind of a territorial marking behavior, I will pull out drug therapy. And some of the different anti-anxiety medications can be very useful, whether we talk about doggy Prozac or clomipramine, which is another medication that I use a lot for these type of things. That may be something we want to look at. Um, so that's where, you know, opening that door, seeing your veterinarian, getting that clean bill of health yeah, right, and screening right. the urine is step one. Step two is training. Step three is going to be, do we need to look at these other therapies? Okay. Um, so, so maybe. All right. Cause now that you mention it, um, like the 4th of July, she was very, she hates that noise. Mm-hmm. She goes in the closet. Okay. Where yeah. my other dog doesn't even care. Yeah, and there are dogs that um, it is safer to urinate in the familiar comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So if, if she gets along great with the child, she feels safe with him, that room is, could be a safe zone. And so it may be easier to eliminate there than to go outside the door and say, you know, something else is going on elsewhere in the house or out in the outer mm-hmm. environment. So okay. I think that we got to dig a little bit deeper into that. So um, certainly I would love to do a follow-up um, once you get your um, clearance from the vet. So okay. let us know how things go along. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for your call, Kim. Okay. We appreciate it. The book that Dr. Debbie was referring to earlier was uh, Shih Tzu's How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. She's also written a book called Yorkshire Terriers, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, All How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And they're over at Amazon as Kindle books and links to all of those over at AnimalRadio.com. Well, hi, Marie. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Los Angeles. So what's going on with your animals? Oh, okay. So I have a six and a half year old male Yorkie, and on a couple of occasions within like the past month, I've seen that he's been turning into furniture. So mm-hmm. I took him to go see a ophthalmologist actually, and they okay. did a they did an eye exam and they um, put him through an obstacle course, and they said that there was nothing wrong with him besides some minor cataract. Okay. So the doctor, yeah. So the doctor suggested. Um, progressive retina atrophy test because okay. uh, he did he observed some like slowness in his pupil dilation and shrinkage so okay. i was just wondering if this slowness you know could be just plain old like age or um is he eventually going to go blind from pra 
Okay. Well, so, I mean, if, if we're seeing visual problems at home and we, you know, we're comfortable that he's obviously running into things, then I think going to the ophthalmologist is definitely the sound place to start. Um, mm-hmm. So when we talk about the different retinal diseases, there's different ways that the ophthalmologist in, evaluates that. Um, some of the different reflex tested, like the pupillary test is one way. They'll uh, dilate the eye and look at the visual appearance of the retina. Did the doctor do that? Oh, no, I don't think he dilated the eyes because he didn't put any drops in him. Okay. That's yeah, what, that would Definitely. So when we look at the retina, that's the visual exam of the retina. And so in like in, in the general practitioner's office, we don't always dilate eyes. But um, an ophthalmologist, that's one of the key ways that they'll look to evaluate. And they look for abnormalities within the vessels, within the visual appearance of the retina. Now, there are dogs, and those with um, PRA, which is progressive retinal atrophy, that mm-hmm. actually will start with an electroretinogram or ERG. And um, Uh in some cases, animals will actually, they will show signs on the ERG that they have PRA, but they may not already have the physical changes. So their retinas may look relatively normal, but the ERG tells Uh us, oops, you know, there's problems going on there. So those two components of your opto exam are going to be to to check the retina visually and to do an ERG. And then once that's done, then that gives us a kind of a dividing point in our considerations of what the possible cause. So if the ERG and the retinal exam are normal, for instance, then we would be looking at other medical causes for vision loss. And those might be things that are more within the brain, Um, or more within um, metabolic things, like liver problems can sometimes cause some visual uh, deficiencies. Um, So I I do think that having that next step with the ophthalmologist is going to be very important so that we know what direction we need to go. And and just for those that might not be familiar, PRA is a very common genetic eye disease. And, you know, we do see of of all the different eye diseases that, you know, I can list off, you know, in any animal, um, about 90% of them are actually have a breed predisposition. Right now, there are, I think there are 80 breeds that PRA has actually been identified in. So it is, it is definitely something to be considered. So but should yeah. I take you to another ophthalmologist since this one has, I mean, he's already suggested the PRA and he hasn't done anything else. Should I get another opinion? Well, I, I'm not sure as, as far as normally when we suspect that, then we would come out and say, these are the tests that we'd want to do. And if he hasn't done that or if that wasn't something that they had in the space of the time limits, it may just be a matter of saying, hey, okay, I want to I pursue this. What are you going to do from here? And if he says, oh, I want to do a retinal exam and an ERG, then you're going to say, okay, yes. <laughs> but if they say, oh, I don't think it's anything, uh, then I would say, yeah, you might want to get a second opinion. Okay. Yeah, because he did want to do an ERG, but then I looked at the procedure and it was a little bit, uh, I think it would be stressful for my dog since it's 45 minutes in a dark room and then there's like needles and stuff involved. I mean, if he's going to go blind, wouldn't we know in three months because they're saying there's no treatment for this kind of issue, right? Well, if it's retinal disease, um, right, there's no treatment for PRA among, uh, along with a lot of other retinal diseases. But I do think, like I said, I think it's important to know whether you've got problems within the retina or elsewhere. Because if it's not in the retina, we got to go looking elsewhere. So um, oh, I, I would definitely okay. encourage you that, that we need to make sure that that is okay. the direction that we're looking at. Okay, all right. I'll probably have to take them 
again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and just just for peace of mind, you know, it sounds horrible and it sounds scary to have an ERG done. But what I always kind of describe to people, it's kind of like having an EKG done. It's the same equivalent. We're testing the electrical response in the eye, just like when you have an EKG, they test it in your heart. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, our pets do a lot better for a lot of these tests than we give them credit for. So don't don't be afraid so much for him. You know, he'll, he'll prove you be a strong boy. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Marie. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. We'd love to hear from you directly from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And uh, it not only has a, a way for you to ask the questions that you want when you want to ask those questions, but it also has news that you need that really affects your pets like recalls. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little app to have, and it's free, and it's for uh, iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. So you want to go download that puppy now. Does anyone still have a BlackBerry phone? I don't. Th- I think there might be a list. I do it in my um, <laughs> in a yeah, drawer somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Away. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, just a few days from Wacky Wednesday. Hopefully you've uploaded your Wacky Wednesday picture. If not, get ready to do so over at our Facebook page. Of course, this is your Wacky Pet Pictures, please, not uh, your Wacky... Uh, family photos or anything like that unless they unless the animals are in it then we'd love to see them too Uh, but it's all about the animals and uh, once you upload those the most likes the most shares that we get on wednesday and thursday that person will pick up a splendiferous splendiferous prize this week we have a gps pet tracker from pod pod yes and this is small enough to fit on any size of collar and it lets you locate your pet on demand you can monitor their activity. You can record their adventures. What are they really doing out there? And uh, then you can watch it on your smartphone or computer. Can you attach it to wow. your, your cheating spouse? I mean, there might be a way without them knowing it, yes. Just a thought. Well, I have, thought. I have a friend who just uh, whose dog just disappeared. So, gosh, Ooh. something like that would be that would invaluable. That be, would have been great for that. Yeah, you can just yeah. in real time you can track them with this, the pod pet tracker. It's awesome. It's I wish amazing. she gets one now. Yeah. The technology that they have now, and this last year we've seen really a proliferation of a lot of devices, tracking devices like this. This looks like a very nice device here. And yes, if you want to pick is. up on it, uh, be sure to upload your Wacky Wednesday pictures. Uh, Lori, we're just about to head to the newsroom. What are you working on? Uh, something incredibly interesting. Uh, might your dog be autistic? 
it depends on what breed of dog you have because it's being uh, maybe associated with one breed now. And we'll tell you what that is in just a minute. Really? Wow. Okay. I'm going to stick around for that. You got my curiosity. Let's go to the phones first for your calls. Hey, Brenda, welcome to the show. Hi. I have, I think they're stray cats that's coming around and they're uh, urinating on my basement windows and I don't know how to stop them. Do you have kitties that go outside? I have uh, two female cats that's been fixed, and they okay. are outdoor cats. So do you know if it's your cats doing this or other cats? I think it's other cats. I've never seen mine do that. Hmm. Okay. Because I guess it doesn't matter who's doing it. If there's cats outdoors and there's that access point, they're going to get over there and, and do what they do. So your question is how you, you want to stop that, on your particularly on your windowsills. So um, the trick is we have to make that environment so it's unfavorable to kitties in a kind and humane way. <laughs> so I'm a fan of using the uh, motion-activated repellents. There's a whole bunch of different kinds out there, little cans of the compressed air, um, where basically it has a little eye where there's motion. Once that's set off, it gives off a burst of air, kind of like you're cleaning your computer keyboard. Um, and that's a very useful thing for just a situation, just for a spot that we want to keep a cat or you know, maybe even a dog out of that area. Um, so that would be something I could I would look at. You can buy those online or pet stores. Uh, there's oodles of different ones out there. A couple other thoughts for deterring cats in areas we don't want them to go. One would be to get um, some good old citrus peels. I, I'm a fan of the lemons because they're very potent. And you basically kind of put those in that vicinity. And, and generally, citrus is not appealing to cats. They don't really dig it. They don't like it. That's why you should never use citrus scented cleaners in the litter pan. But those little uh, citrus peels will go a long way to keep those kitties away. And then, you know, I've had some folks where they even will try mountain lion urine that you can buy over at the hunting store and um, kind of treat those areas and see if that will help keep those little cats away. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's made possible by fear-free happy homes, helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Here's something interesting. What do you think that is? Believe it or not, that's actually a French bulldog begging to get up on the couch. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Didn't know they could make that sound, did you? Dogs surprise us every day. Everybody's talking about the video of the dogs driving. And we actually talked to that gentleman on the show. He's an amazing trainer. So today we're going to talk about his training technique. It's called clicker training. So what is it? Well, whenever your dog does something you want him to do, you use a clicker. It makes a short click sound. And it tells your dog exactly when they're doing something right. When you combine it with positive reinforcement like a tree, or a good boy, it's a very powerful way to teach your dog to do a behavior. Researchers have long known that dogs create associations. So the more you pair up a desired action with a positive consequence, the stronger the association becomes. For instance, my dog has a rug in the kitchen and that's where he gets lots of treats. I give him a lot of affection there too. So whenever he sees me, he gets up and walks over and lays down on his rug. He makes an association with the rug that when he's there, most of the time he gets a treat, affection, or both. 
brings us back to our bulldog who probably gets let up on the couch when he makes that sound. So now that we know about actions and consequences and how they create an association in your dog's mind, let's talk about what a clicker is effective in doing. The hardest, most difficult thing for you to do is to let your dog know what you want. The clicker speeds that up. You have to click at the exact moment the behavior you want happens. If your dog sits, you click. If your dog lays down, you click. If he gives you his paw, you click. It's like taking a picture of the exact behavior you want to reinforce. You actually click before you start giving the dog a command or a hand signal. The first couple of times, you just wait for your dog to sit, then you give him a quick click and a treat. When your dog gets clicked several times for sitting and starts to repeat the behavior knowing exactly what earns the click, you can start using a hand signal or the word sit. A clicker will help you be very clear in the behavior you want from your dog. Be patient and remember, good boy. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-472-0658-800-472-0658-800-472-0658. That's 800-472-0658. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, if you haven't seen the movie Max yet, it stars a Belgian Malinois, a breed of dog. Now, while that might make you want to see it even more, it's not always so good for any breed of dog that Hollywood makes famous. The anticipated increase in these dogs being handed over to shelters over the next few years already has the rescue community kind of scared. Everyone's concern is that after seeing the movie Max, many will rush out to buy a Belgian Malinois. And truthfully, if past trends are any indication, we can expect an increase in the backyard breeding of these dogs. In fact, after analyzing a number of movies released between 1927 and 2004, they looked at movies featuring dogs and then evaluated AKC registration trends. Researchers then confirmed that, yes, movies definitely have an impact on breed popularity. For example, Lassie Come Home was associated with a 40% increase in Collie AKC registrations. And after the remake of 101 Dalmatians in 1996, animal shelters reported a 35% increase in the number of Dalmatians that were surrendered. Bull terriers who compulsively chase their tails, it turns out, may be autistic. At least that's what Dr. Nicholas Dodman, who is director of the Behavior Clinic at Tufts Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine, believes. He's apparently studied the subject for many years now and says that like autistic people, such tail-chasing bull terriers may be socially maladapted, unpredictably aggressive toward others, and may often stare into space for no apparent reason. Dodman's study, by the way, is the very first to propose that autism may also occur in dogs. And residents of Campbell River, the community in British Columbia, say they're now afraid to let their cats outside in broad daylight because somebody is shaving them. One woman said her 12-year-old tabby cat came home with a square-shaped patch that was shaved onto her belly. And that same cat has since come home with patches of hair missing four more times. It's also happened to a neighbor's cat. Strangely, the cats are still let outside at nighttime, though, because the mystery shaving incidents have only happened in the daytime. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with our pets. It is time for another Lucy pet segment with our good friend Doc Halligan. And this week, something that's kind of uh, kind of controversial for me, at least, mm-hmm. is anesthesia-free dental cleaning. You see it offered all over the place. Yeah, you go to your yeah. local pet store and you'll, you'll see it right in yeah. front of your pet store. They'll come out. Uh, like, they do a clinic there. And you know what? I thought that they really need to be under anesthesia to get to the locations that need to be cleaned. Well, you are absolutely correct. You're a smart man. I am. He's a smart guy, isn't he, Judy? <laughs> he is. So so is there such thing as an anesthesia-free dental cleaning for real? So here's the thing is, okay, in order for us to do a proper cleaning, deep cleaning, where we're actually using probes under the gum, um, really scaling without hurting the teeth, then polishing, the animal must be anesthetized. That's the bottom line. And actually, in the state of California, it is against the law for anybody to be doing an anesthetic cleaning unless it's under the guidance of a veterinarian. You mean an anesthetic-free cleaning? Yes, anesthetic or free. doesn't matter. Either one. Uh It is considered surgery because you're using instruments. Um, there, were, I had a client who, she brought her dog in. They brought pet. I think I don't remember which store it was. Uh, her dog had a lacerated tongue from uh, her paying uh, twenty dollars to have the teeth brushed. Her oh. her Chihuahua was supposed to just have its teeth brushed. And I don't know what they did. She had a very deep laceration on the tongue. So, you are correct in that in order to do a proper cleaning, you must have the animal anesthetized. Now, with that being said, there are some animals that uh, are an anesthetic risk. And so we will go ahead, if these animals can tolerate it, give them like a little sedation if they have to. Some animals don't need it. And we will go ahead and do what we can without hurting the animal. You know, obviously, can you imagine if you have like a root exposed and you oh, yeah. hit that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they can't sit there and go, hey, doc, you're getting close to that root. That hurts. So there are animals that what happens with these dogs that have it done on a regular basis, they take these instruments and they just ruin the enamel. It's just awful because technically when you when you do it, you want to use, like, the water to get rid of the plaque because it doesn't scrape the teeth. Yeah. I've been practicing for 27 years that I've never seen so much tartar in my life. And when I question them, they say, oh, yeah, we, we, you know, we have a non-anesthetic dental being done. And they're just ruining these poor dogs and animals. Look, dental disease is one of the most common illnesses out there. If you're not brushing your cat or dog's teeth every other day, by the age of three, they all have dental disease. Mm. That can cause some big problems that can actually affect other organs in the body. Is that correct? Absolutely. Because the reason they're living longer is because we understand now the correlation of gum disease and bacteria getting into the bloodstream, sitting on the heart valves, going to the kidneys, going to the liver. It absolutely 100% shortens their lifespan by having bad teeth. I've got a question now. People 
I think people are being misled that any dog, any age, any animal, just take it in, no anesthesia, boom, the teeth are clean, and you're good. People are under the impression that this is a full cleaning that their dog doesn't have to go back. Well, uh, and you're absolutely right. It is misleading, and there is a lot of controversy because they're marketing it differently than what it really is. What it is, is it's someone that either can't afford the anesthetic, the mm-hmm. teeth are just horrible, the animal's aged or whatever. It exactly. doesn't replace a healthy brushing every other day or a sedated animal having it done accurately. You know mm-hmm. how they go in and they measure your pockets? You guys know that, right? You know, my dentist goes in and marks the gingival recession and he measures every little pocket and documents it and all that. You know, I can sit there and tell him if it hurts, but you can't do that in an animal. You can't get under the gum line with a probe in an awake animal. No, It's you're just making those pearly whites look good, mm-hmm. but you know, you're not really doing what they're supposed to have, which is the professional anesthesia. So we can get in there and have them, you know, we, we do dental x-rays too. Uh, they can't x-ray. You cannot x-ray a dog <laughs> or cat without sedation. I mean, okay. you, can you imagine here? Bite down on that. I mean, it's hard even with them sedated. Uh-huh. So okay. yeah, I mean, people really need to talk to their vet because it does bother me that I just feel these places are making money uh-huh. and they're not really sure. uh, being forthright with these pet owners. Yeah, uh, We're running out of time here, but I want to ask you before you go here, I can't use regular toothpaste with my dog or cat. I got to get uh, special toothpaste, right? Absolutely. And you know why that is? Because they can't spit it out? Very th- Again, <laughs> look how smart you are. That's right. And it would upset their tummy. It's too high. Ours is too high in fluoride. And you've got to use a special brush because our brushes are too hard uh, for their enamel. Yeah, so it should be a special brush, special toothpaste, and they have great flavors. Yeah, tuna. They have chicken. (laughs) I'd start salmon. I'd start when they're very, very young because it's easier if they learn pretty young to do that. I'll be honest. I do not do every other day on my animals. I do not brush their. I don't either. It's tough to do. We preach it. We say it. It's tough to do. But uh, yeah, uh, if you start early, that will become very easy. Anyway, uh, we're out of time. Doc I love talking to you guys. We I have think so we're educating fun. people. Oh, yeah, I think so. I'm learning a lot. Great. Uh, Doc Halligan, you can learn more about her and, of course, what the Lucy Pet Foundation does over at lucypetfoundation.org. And we'll catch you next week right here on Animal Radio. All right. Radio. Thanks so much. Vinny Penn coming back at you on Animal Radio with the Party Animal segment. Um, this one tops them all. Gotta tell you, invitation in the mail the other day. Invitation, not even email. Postage paid to my wife. She was invited to a birthday party for her friend's cat. Now, one, I've been telling her for ages, this girlfriend of hers, she's passed the, she's, she's crossed the line. She's passed the point of no return. She's in her 40s. This cat is the love of her life. It's just her, the cat, a quilt, and a big jug of Ben and Jerry's. That's it. Oh, and she knits. I mean, this is it. This cat is her life. And that's great. But to throw the cat a birthday party, is the that is a cry for help. I told my wife, you're not a good friend. This is a cry for help, and you're not responding to this. And like I said, maybe if she emailed it, stamps were put on these. Are people going to show up? 
Are they going to sing it to this cat? Are they going to say, how old are you now? And expect the cat to scratch out. Oh, what does she do? She's three. Be a good friend. Take the invitation to your local therapist. Write your friend's phone number on it or address. And get a straight jacket fitted. Vinnie Penn, Party Animal, Animal Radio. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Brooks working on news, and we'll be checking in with her in just a few minutes. What are you working on? Well, um, three Hollywood heavyweights are in contact with one of the bigweights of the public warehouse stores. Uh, They're defending animals on a certain front, and we'll tell you what they're all concerned about coming up. And who the store is, too. I love an active Hollywood, so (laughs) they never failed. Hey, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. How are you doing today? How can we help you? Uh, Pretty good. Uh, For Dr. Debbie, I have have two cats at home that live in the home, and uh, male and female, uh, brother and sister. I've been having kind of a stray male coming around. Uh, everybody's neutered that I can tell, and uh, we were wondering about if we can... Our male doesn't like this other male here with us around the home. He's, the uh, bigger male respects the, the territory and all that, but he's, uh, you know, a little cautious. He'll come up to us and everything, but uh, we would like to adopt him, I guess. Okay. Did you ask the other cats what they think about the situation? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if we really could, like it would him. be so easy, wouldn't it? We could just yeah, ask him, it? hey, what do you think of this guy? Do you want him to hang with you? <laughs> yeah. Now, are your cats indoor kitties, um, or do they go outside? They go outside. 
Okay, oh, so they live you. indoor. Yes. Okay. Yes. All righty. So, well, I mean, you can certainly see about adding in this new guy. The first thing I would do before I would even consider mixing the, t- mixing the three of them would be to make sure this new kitty is evaluated for health. Um, take him into the vet, make sure we get a good health assessment, screen him for infectious disease, feline leukemia, kitty AIDS, and make sure all is well um, because as you bring in this new friend, you're going to be exposing your, your existing kitties to whatever this other cat has got in his, uh, his world. So want to make sure we're not bringing any problems into the home health-wise. Then, as far as if we're looking to transition them, always remember the more cats you add into the mix, the more chance for problems in the interaction. So it's kind of like a mathematical equation. With each cat that you add, there's more likeliness we could upset the mix and the balance and start to have some behavioral problems, house soiling or inner cat aggression. So be prepared. <laughs> now, that whole process of introducing them is actually best controlled in an indoor controlled environment. It's going to be very hard to make this transition and to be able to advise you with having all the kitties going in and outside. There's just too big of a scenario and there's no way to control their behaviors and if there's a negative behavior and how we're going to control that. So best we would do this indoors and we would actually like to isolate the new cat in a separate room and let your other kitties have run of the house. So if you're looking at mixing them together, we're really planning on committing to maybe several weeks of integration. And you got to go slow. Um, but the, the new cat would stay isolated in his room. And then once everyone seems comfortable with that, and there's not a lot of posturing, hissing, things like that, then we're going to switch bedding and maybe even rub towels on the kitties' faces and switch them in the two environments. And this allows them to get used to the smell of each other, which is very important because we know cats are all about scents and scent marking. That's what all that urine is all about. So we want to go slow with that. And then gradually, um, we're going to start feeding the kitties maybe by that door, that that zone where they're going to have that closest contact between each other. We want the food to be the reward for the presence of the new kitties and work up to it from there. And then gradually we'll allow them to have access physically, preferably with one of the kitties or even, um, you know, the new kitty isolated, maybe even a pet carrier so we can safely control the physical aspect of things. Just if there's any fight potential, any kind of aggressive potentials, we want nobody to get hurt in that situation. So that's the best way to control that. And then from there, Tom, we're going to really just kind of work up in small amounts. If we get bad behavior, we get hissing, we get attacking, we have to back up because we know that cats are kind of like elephants. They think in slow time. So if they're upset and they have a bad uh, interaction and they're aggressive, then we have to slow down, maybe even give them a couple days, up to sometimes five days to chill out before we try to reintroduce them. Um, But you can do it, and we can do it very slowly and uh, just use your positive rewards for when they are together. And then... You're going to hopefully be at a spot where they'll be getting along, and then we can allow it in the long run, the indoor-outdoor exposure, when they'll uh, hopefully be in a much happier uh, zone of kitty integration there. Tom, I hope we answered some questions today, and we hope to hear from you again. Take care of yourself. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. get a quick quick sweep uh hi this is ben vereen on animal radio remember to spay and neuter oh, sure. your animals okay go ahead when hey, you what? what 
remember to spay and neuter your animals. And who? Animal Radio. Hi, Ben Vereen. Yeah. It's yeah. Ben. <laughs> I can't get that last word. Spay what with your animals? Spay and neuter. Or spay or neuter. Spay, spay and neuter. Yeah, spay or neuter. Actually, uh, spay is for females and neuter is for males, so you'll say... That's sp- right. That's right. I, I couldn't understand. It sounded like something else. Okay. This is Ben Vereen on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animal for a healthier and longer life. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So, when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome, Dr. Debbie. I'm glad she's here today. She actually texted me earlier this morning, didn't know she would uh, be in. Something going on with Boss? What happened? It was very scary, I got to tell you. So, you know, I walk in the early morning hours before sunup, and we were walking, both my dogs, my big Nikki and little boss, and they're playing ball, running off leash in this area, having a great time. And down comes swooping a great horned owl. Holy Wow. Towards towards boss. How how big is boss, so listeners get an idea? Boss is 16 pounds. He's a pretty big Um, big dog. Yeah. and, And... Great horn owls are about three pounds, but they typically can actually carry prey two to three times their weight. Really? So it isn't unheard of for them to actually go after cats, small dogs. Um, and it could have been, even if it couldn't have carried them away, their talons can be very destructive oh. and, and, and inflict serious wounds. So um soon as the owl got wind of Nikki and saw <laughs> the 80-pound dog running in his direction, um, the owl took off. But he sat there and he stared and was watching and tracking Boss as we were. So I swooped him up and I carried him home. So, um, wow. so yeah, Boss is hanging with me right now because he was a little shaken from this whole I thing. You, know, you see this big wingspan coming after you. But Nikki came to the rescue. I don't think she knew she did because she was very innocently just plowing along. <laughs> so I don't even think she saw the owl, but um, yeah. So She's she, an accidental hero. Yeah. Yes. I always worry about that walking my little dogs. I see a lot of hawks and stuff sitting up on the telephone line. Sure, with Ladybug looks like a rodent. Yeah, she does. Yeah, from up there. And it's it's a genuine thing. I mean, there's that one movie with Sandra Bullock where the little um, American Eskimo puppy gets taken away by the bird of prey. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a movie, but it does happen to it small, does happen. small yeah, pets. It does. Not just in Hollywood. Wow. Exactly. So be careful. Have have your animals, especially your small ones, on leash and keep out. Keep an eye out for those big uh, wingspan birds. That's the advice here, I think. That's what I'm going home with today. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Hey, Robert, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Good. I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie. Yes, I have a, I, I have a little problem child here. All right. What's going on? Okay. Um, now, now, we've been working very diligently with our, our local vet. Over probably the last seven to eight months, we've tried, uh, well, the number one thing going on is, is she's, she's going, uh, Either either before we put her outside or after we bring her back in. And we've tried Proen, 
and we've used, uh, used uh, uh, what is it, C-D-E-S, C-D-E-S, and we've, we've checked everything. We've checked, we've, we've had the ultrasound done, we've had blood work and mm-hmm. uh, your analysis. Everything comes back normal. And we're thinking this might be a psychological thing because she's always been really high anxiety. Uh, she's scared to death of thunderstorms, and, uh, and, and we would like to keep her close at hand when, when, when we do have storms in the area. But okay. I, I, I want to back up. What Robert, that, what, kind of, what kind of dog you got here? I didn't catch that. What was that? What kind of dog you got? Okay, she's uh, she's a uh, well. All our dogs are rescues, so she's a uh, uh, we think a terrier and probably a dachshund mix. Okay, and she's how old? And she's uh, I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of eleven or twelve years old. Okay, and so just so I'm clear, she's having urine accidents or poop accidents? Y- urine accidents, and and, and it's only like I say, urine. We. we We've searched out the possibility of it being accidents, and I just, I don't think it's an accident. I, I, I feel like it's being done on purpose, and we don't know why. Okay. So what, where is she urinating, and is it always in the same place, or is she moving around? It's pretty much always in the same place. At, what we do now, we have a tile kitchen floor, and the kitchen back door leads to outside where they okay. go. Uh, we have four dogs. And uh, on rainy days, we lay down a blanket on the tile floor so when they come back in, they can wipe their paws. And and we lock them in the kitchen for, you know, a few minutes when they come back in. And then, of course, we open up the gate and they have the rest of the run of the house again. And uh, and that's been the norm for pretty much forever for all our animals. And uh, she'll go, and like I say, sometimes she goes before we let them out if that blanket is laying down there. But what's what's really got me baffled is we started pulling the blanket up uh, okay. and only putting it down right when they come back in from outside. And all of that stopped. So she's not going mm. on the tile floor. She's not going anywhere else. But, but she continues to, if we leave that blanket down there for more than three or four minutes and, and take our eyes off of her, she will, she will go on that blanket before she climbs upstairs. <laughs> okay, I got you now. All right, I see what's going on here. So I'm glad that you had a very good, thorough medical checkup because, you know, in a 10-year-old dog, you know, urine accidents can sometimes be a, a signal of a health problem. And the I think the reality of what it sounds like you got going on is you need to get rid of that blanket, man. You need to be drying these babies' feet off, um, taking that blanket and getting rid of it because it could very well be just something as simple as a marking behavior. Um, the door is kind of a social area. It's an interactive zone. It's kind of a transition. So it could very well be that she's saying, hey, this is kind of the entry to my lair, and um, I'm going to say this is, you know, our territory, my territory, and I'm going to urinate here. If that is not there and she doesn't have urine accidents elsewhere, um, I, I'm really led to believe that's the situation. And, you know, I, dogs don't generally, they're not generally malicious creatures. They're, they're very kind-hearted animals. They're not like people. We're mean. 
<laughs> and they don't typically do these kind of things to get us mad or to piss us off. It's generally something either medical or something either social or uh, psychological. So um, I might be led to believe that you just need to make a decision to get rid of that blanket and know that that's going to be her trigger. That may be her preference, that her that substrate that she really likes. And when it's in that right spot, she's going to urine mark on it. And if all you got to do is take that away, then I think it's an easy solution. And uh, as long as she's not having accidents elsewhere, I'd say, yeah, it's yeah. a that's a human. Now behavior. we change the blanket out all the time. Um, you know, I mean, if, if she if if she if she goes on it, we you know it immediately goes out and 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 gets rewashed, and then we you know. Of course, I don't care. Next, I don't want you to put it down in the first place. place you putting it down there is allowing her that opportunity. It's setting that environment just right. Doesn't matter that you wash it. She's just thankful that you are. You're flushing the toilet for her every time you do that. <laughs> and so. you know, but we've been doing this in that same routine forever, and it's just been going on oh, maybe eight or nine months. And mm-hmm. so, is it just? I, I just wonder if there was any other kind of a trigger. You think just... Yeah, this is just, I mean, everything is just ringing. This is, a, like I said, a social zone where, you know, dogs can very typically mark. Now, another solution, ways to maybe work around this. Hey, what about the idea of putting an, um, like an outdoor mat on the opposite side of that door, somewhere where the doggies can kind of maybe partially dry their feet. And then if they do, she does urinate on that. It's outdoors. It's not such a big deal where you have to worry about that being inside. Just just a solution. But for me, gosh, Robert, I just say get rid of that blanket and uh, return your household to a, you know, hopefully a toilet-free mess in that zone. Well, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes, helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Well, good day, David. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. How can we help you today, David? Okay, my question is this. I have ten and year, a ten-and-a-half-year-old Yorkie Poo, and uh, he rides in the truck with me. He's been doing it for about ten years now. I'm a trucker. And I usually would able to give him just about anything, and it wouldn't bother him. But in the last six months or so, uh, he gets the runs at the drop of a hat. And even even I, I started mixing his food with some... some uh, canned food to kind of make it a little bit more palatable for him and that was okay but even now that bothers him what what's going on with my dog okay so is the problem that he's not eating or is it just that he's having loose stools loose stools okay so his appetite is sound that's good oh yeah 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 then I would not add in canned food because that can ruin the whole process of what you're trying to do. If you're having loose stools with your pet and you add in canned food, that actually can have a tendency for many pets to loosen up the stool. Um, there's a lot more moisture content in that, and it, it's kind of like you know, be like eating a lot of pumpkin pie if you have diarrhea. It's not going to help things in any way there. So I would really be looking more at our diet structure as far as what we are feeding. And there are some diets will go to a higher fiber content if we want to firm up the stool some. Now, the other thing I'm going to say is I would certainly make sure we have the stool and your pet checked 
at the veterinarian because, you know, we could have something like worms. We can have other issues going on. There's problems in digestion with a pancreas that can cause a chronic problem with loose stools. I'd say the number one problem in most cases is we choose a diet that doesn't agree with our pet's bowels. And the number one thing I look at when I pick a food, a lot of people say, what's the best food out there, doc? It's going to be the best one that agrees with your pet. That's always one of the first things. So do they like it? And does it produce nice, solid poops that are consistent? So that might be something we look at. Is the current food you're going with, you know, maybe nothing bad against the company, but it may not be the the trick for your pet. And to change that, we would find another and kind of gradually introduce that new diet over a period of about a week to two weeks. See what the poops go like. And then we can make a decision. Is it better, worse, no different? Um, but I would certainly, before we start on the strategy of trying different foods and moving around, you know, like I said, I'd make sure your baby's checked out A-OK by the vet and bring a nice uh, bag of poop for the vet. It really makes our day when you guys do that. <laughs> <laughs> you like that stuff. It's weird. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Miller Band. Just want to tell everybody out there on Animal Radio, thanks for loving your pets. Well, our weather has been pretty wet. A lot of rain recently, which is good. We love the moisture, but it means the dog can't go outside. But that's not a problem. We don't necessarily need to take Pixel, the studio stunt dog, outside to pee anymore. We're using the WizSmart pads. And you wonder what a WizSmart pad is? It's one of the best pads out there for your puppies or for your elder dog. Now when Pixel goes to the bathroom, she keeps her paws dry and she doesn't track around the house and she can use the same pad all day long. It's a really thick pad. It's made of recycled diapers. Deconstructed and of course unused diapers. And it can hold up to eight cups of liquid. That means that as soon as they use it, you don't have to throw it away. It can be used several times. And not only that, it absorbs it so quickly when they step off it, you won't have those little wet footprints all over your clean floor. That's one of the things I really hate about those cheap pee pads is your dog, you know, they'll they'll pee and then they'll step in it, drag it all across the floor. And then you realize not only do you have to clean up the pee pad immediately, but you have to clean up the floor. And then you have to clean up their feet because your dog hates it. And my dog would jump off that pad so quickly when her feet got wet that I couldn't catch her. And it was a big mess. We're pretty happy with the Ultra Pads, but they've just introduced the Charcoal Essential Pad. We'll have to check that out. It absorbs liquid like magic. Oh, and charcoal's good for absorbing smells as well. Now, you mentioned this before. Not only are they good for training puppies, but also for elderly dogs or dogs that are ill. And for dogs that might have incontinence problems, they also have doggy diapers and doggy wraps. They have everything you need from your puppy all the way up to your senior dog. Here's the website, wizsmart.com. W-I-Z-S-M-A-R-T.com. Wait, you said that so fast, Hal. Slow down. W-I-Z-S-M-A-R-T.com. Is that okay? Yeah, much better. Or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Wizsmart. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio, and I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We'll head back to the phones in just a second. Oh, did I mention it's animal radio, just in case? 
should throw that in every once in a while. Yeah, it's be nice. Boss likes me to do that. You can also ask your questions from your Animal Radio app. Oh, you don't have it yet? Well, download it for your smartphone. It's uh, for your iPhone or your Android phone. Ask your questions from it. Listen to the show and browse our resources. Find out the latest recalls, all the news that you really need that affects your pets in the free Animal Radio app. We have Lee on the phone. Hi, Lee. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi. Well, we've got eight cats. Ranging eight from cats. 15, yeah. Ranging wow. from about 15 years old to the latest one is five months old. And we have a red uh, tomcat, about 10 years old. And he's always been, you know, cock of the walk, Mr., you know, Mr. Strong Guy. Okay. Well, about three years ago, we got two kittens, a male and a female, and uh, the female, she's real slender, uh, you know, petite and all that, but she terrorizes this 10-year-old tomcat. If they okay. just if they just see each other, he's got his tail between his legs, and he just cowers and hides, and it's just ruining his life. He, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Mm. Yeah. Now, tell me a little bit about the cat environment. Are these kitties all inside? Um, tell me about how many litter pans you've got. Are they all uh, spayed and neutered? Three, three litter pans. Um, they're able to go outside whenever they want to when it's nice. They don't leave the yard. You know, they're real close. They bounce okay. off the walls when they want back in. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Can I jump in here? You said you had eight cats? Yes. Eight cats and three litter pans, right? Yes. I know okay. where you're going, Hal. Yeah. Three of them say, go outside on a regular basis, so. Okay. Well, and there's if there's the outdoor toilet options, that's great. But inside those walls, and I think what Hal was getting at is that in the indoor environment, three toilet options for eight cats is too few. And we and generally have the... And we generally have the guideline that we want to have one extra litter pan than we do per cat. So, wow, that would mean you'd need nine litter pans in your house. And, um, <laughs> you know, perhaps that might not be, a, uh, you know, an option for you, but we definitely need to see about increasing some toilet areas for these kitties um, because there's some verbal and nonverbal communication that goes on. But in often cases when we have kitties that are having these kind of interpersonal problems, if you will, there's also a lot of other issues. And, and my question next would be, do you have any kitties that are going uh, pee or poop inappropriately in the house? We have, well, him, because mm -hmm. she won't let him go to the cat boxes. She won't let him go yep. to the dry food area. Mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, And wherever he finds a place to cower, that's where he goes to the bathroom at. So we're, okay. you know, well, this is, this is an easy fix, at least on the surface. <laughs> Nothing but cats is really easy, but at least on the surface, I can tell you there's so much competition in your house for resources. Food as a resource, the toilet area as a resource. So we do need to give extra um, availability there. Um, you can add new sites. Um, make sure you kind of mix it up in areas where cats are not really going right now. Give some opportunities because if he does not have um, her permission to get into certain areas of the house, he's not going to have anywhere to go. And yes, it's going to escalate and you're going to have more of these um, elimination problems and then, you know, potentially even more aggression issues. The other thing that I would certainly do for these guys is I would like to see um, you using some pheromones in the home. 
pheromones are the scent hormones that any species of animal and even humans gives off. Um, we can't smell a cat pheromone, but they can smell it. And it can help in some of these multi-cat situations, especially if we're running into elimination problems, um, intercat aggression problems. It's basically something you plug into the wall like a plug-in air freshener, and it emits this over about a month period of time. And that can help in kind of a non-chemical way to try to help these guys out. Um, but I think just adding in the extra bathroom sites will make a big difference for you. Okay, I'll do that. But uh, the rest of them, they all get along together. They sleep together. They groom each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, even these two, sometimes when my wife's in bed, they'll lay together. But mm-hmm. when they get out from the bedroom, if she sees him, she's on him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do even have to look at, if we have particularly just the two kitties that we're having problems, in some cases I will take the aggressor cat, the one that is doing more of the attacking, and I will actually confine that one to a small area to help build confidence in the cat that's being attacked. Um, and that kind of allows them to explore their territory without the fear of being attacked or being um, kind of kept away from the resources. You can't do that without doing these other steps that I mentioned as far as giving extra litter box sites. But that's one way to kind of help mix things up a little bit and to allow the cat that's getting beaten up um, some opportunities to get around the house and to build confidence. And sometimes also I will add in anxiety medicines for those two suspect cats. Um, It's not for everybody and it's not always feasible for everyone, especially if the kitties go come and go kind of um, at will. But that might be something we need to think about as well. So give them more potty boxes and uh, you know give uh, our, our tomcat a little bit of room and a little bit of uh, one-on-one time even with yourselves or with the other cats just so he can build that confidence and see if we can get these kitties uh, to play nice if we will in the cat box <laughs> this is dr debbie with animal radio you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. You know, take care of the pets and make sure that in these hot days that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. So the pets are all part of your life and make them welcome in your life. And once you do that, they will reward you with a lot of love. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is an Animal Radio News Update. 
I'm Lori Brooks. Actor and activist Brad Pitt has sent a personal letter to the CEO of Costco calling for the removal of egg-laying hens from those crammed cages. Pitt actually wrote the letter on behalf of Farm Sanctuary. That's an organization aimed at rescuing and protecting abused farm animals. Talk show host Bill Maher also recently called for Costco to stop selling eggs from caged hens. And just last month, actor Ryan Gosling also sent the Costco CEO a letter responding to a Humane Society investigation of an egg supplier connected with the corporation. Arizona Cardinals Tyron Matthews video for PETA is still heavily circulating online. If you haven't seen it, Matthew is the NFL player who locked himself inside of a car to demonstrate the danger that dogs endure when they're locked inside a car on a hot summer day. Well, after just a few minutes in the Arizona heat, Matthew starts to breathe and sweat really heavily. He points out on the video that dogs are unable to protect themselves from the heat and can sustain brain damage, even die after only 15 minutes in that kind of a situation. Signs of heat stroke, which can occur really fast, include restlessness, heavy panting, a darkened tongue, rapid heart rate, fever, vomiting, glazed eyes, even dizziness. People, of course, we have the benefit of being able to sweat through our skin, which helps us to cool down. But dogs, they're covered with fur and can only cool themselves by panting and sweating through their paw pads. Well, throughout the course of his time in public life, everyone has wondered, I'm sure you have too, about Donald Trump's hair. What is it? Is it a comb over, a bad toupee, or what? There's a social media trend going on, if you haven't heard. It's called Trump Your Cat. Here's how it works. First, you gather up all of the lint and loose pet hair around your house, and then you put it on your cat's head. Then you take a picture of your cat with that lint hair on top of its head, and you post it online. A lot of that's going on on Facebook, and those pictures are pretty funny. All you have to do is Google Trump your cat photos. They're pretty funny. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime you need it at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This is Animal Radio, baby. I believe we have Jim on the phone. Hi, Jim. Hi, how are you doing today? Very good. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi, doctor. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Where are you calling from today? Um, Baltimore, Maryland, actually. What do you got going on? Well, we have this beautiful baby boy. His name is Mac. And Mac turned five this week. And okay. Mac has had two knee operations in the last six months. He had okay. an ACL problem. I'm sorry? Okay. Oh, I, just, I was waiting to hear what you had to say. ACL. Okay. Yeah. He had an ACL problem that uh, was operated on back in August. And he seemed to be recovering well. And all of a sudden, everything just reversed. And uh, he was limping. He was crying. Uh, the doctor looked him over again a couple of weeks ago and decided that uh, he needed another operation. And this time they uh, took out the entire meniscus and he is recovering. The problem that we are seeing is he's developed a loud knocking in his knee. And mm-hmm. the doctor tells me that that's a, probably a function of lack of muscle tone. And as he recovers, the muscle tone will come back and take care of that. But it worries us terribly. And what kind of dog is Mac? Mac is a rescue, mostly lab, part shepherd, and he weighs around 90 pounds. 
Oh, he's a big fella then, hey. Yes, he is. Okay. Now, with the type of injury he's had, the ACL, which is basically the anterior cruciate ligament, that's a very common ligament that gets injured in large active dogs. And correction-wise, um, definitely for a large dog, is very important because they don't do well if we don't do surgery. Now, do you know what kind of surgery, what technique they used? I do not. I can't tell you. Okay. The, there's basically two different methods of correcting a, a cruciate injury. Uh, one we use a little bit more for smaller dogs, and it's called an extracapsular fixation. And it's basically where they just go in, remove the bad stuff, and put in some stabilizing sutures. Um, for large dogs, um, there's a surgery where more typically they'll do that, but they also put in a type of bone plate. Um, so there's hardware in the leg that stays there. And for large dogs, they seem to do a little bit better with that surgery. It's a little more costly, um, but it gives them some extra support and stabilization and then he corrects some of the angle problems that causes this um, injury in the first place. So if they didn't say anything about there being plates or anything like that in there, then you may not have had that surgery. Does I, that sound I like... Okay, so you probably had the standard extracapsular. Now, the second thing that you mentioned was you had the second surgery, and there was a meniscus injury, and that's a kind of an accessory um, type of cartilage in the knee, and it very commonly is damaged. In many cases, it's damaged at the time of the first injury, uh, where they go in and they'll find that the first time the surgery is done, they may find the meniscus is damaged. It doesn't always happen that way, and it can come out later in the road. Um, now, I guess the, the big question with clicking, clicking can be a sign of bad things, and it can also be just a sign of nothing important whatsoever. The major question that I'd have for you is, how is he getting along on that leg, and is he lame? Is he favoring the leg in any way? Well, the, after the first surgery, for the first month or so, he was, he was walking on it. We were walking him up and down the hills. We were keeping him very close by, no running, no, no steps, no, no anything. Uh, and somehow he injured it again. The second okay. time, it's been three weeks now. Uh, again, we're keeping him close, but uh, he's not favoring it except maybe in the evening after he's been up all day. That's when mm -hmm. he might show some favoring. But during the day, where we just brought him back from a walk, he's, he seems to be walking fairly good. The doctor did say he's very bow-legged. And uh, okay. that, that causes a problem. She'd like him to walk over a ladder laid out so that he has to lift up his leg to get some therapy on his knee. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, some of the, the clicking sounds that we hear in knees after there's been surgery on them in dogs, some of it can be where there's actually um, sutures that kind of rub against either parts of the bone um, or parts of tissue that kind of pop over the suture material. So some of that we can hear um, just from those type of movements. Now, in a dog that has the um, corrective surgery where they have the plates in the knee, which is a procedure we call the TPLO, um, I'm a little bit more comfortable that there's not abnormal motion going on in that knee. So it is possible for your kid that, you know, maybe there's some bone pieces that are moving that there's just not enough stabilization there. You know, more of a supportive surgery with 
that kind of approach um, might give him a better result in the long run. How that helps you now doesn't help you a whole lot right now, but um, I would say I would make sure I keep him really quiet. Um, if they prescribed anti-inflammatories, I would use those to help make his knee feel better in the short term. Um, and if that click is not um, associated with any kind of long-term lameness, then I'm not going to worry about it. But if he if he is continuing it to favor it beyond that three weeks, then, um, then I think we're going to have to take a look at that knee a little bit more seriously and see if there's something else we need to do to stabilize that for him. And that might be surgery, but it also might be, and this is an interesting thing, is there are actually um, knee braces that you can get made for dogs that have orthopedic problems. And I actually am currently working with a client who is dealing with this kind of injury in her dog's knee. So you might look into orthotics um, or basically braces for um, the knee. And uh, there's one called um, orthopets.com, and they uh, specially design casts, um, functional casts, so that they can wear them. You can take them off for baths, and uh, it might provide some extra stabilization for his knee. So just another little thing you might think about there, Jim. I certainly will. And by the way, he is on uh, on anti-inflammatories. We give it to him every morning. Uh, Steramax, my wife says. Yeah, Steramax. Yeah, that's a... Okay, my pleasure. Glad to talk to you, Jim. This is Dr. Debbie at Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Talent Cable. Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk about something unpleasant to you and me. Very unpleasant, but totally natural to some dogs. I think you probably figured out dogs will eat just about anything, including their own you-know. Whoa! <laughs> And as gross as that sounds, and looks, it's common. Sometimes it can be a sign of loneliness or being bored. Could be anxiety, or maybe your dog is copying other dogs. Sometimes it's because the dog learns that when there's number two around, he gets punished. So he's actually making it disappear so you won't be mad at him. Sometimes he's just cleaning up his living space. And yep, sometimes a dog enjoys it. It really doesn't present a problem except that we hate seeing it. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks like when their dogs give them that their kiss. And if you know your dog's doing that, it's going to click in your brain after it's already too late. <laughs> First thing you can do to try to stop it is to give your dog more attention and lots of exercise. And feed him more than once a day so he has something to look forward to. And also because it'll keep him from getting hungry throughout the day and tempted. Also, pick up after him as quick as you can. Like we said before, he might be cleaning his living space, which is your job. The most important thing, though, is to first make sure there's nothing wrong by taking him to the vet. There could be something physical causing it, like worms or other parasites, because they rob your dog of essential nutrients. He might be eating whatever he can find to make up for it. Now, as always, the way to stop a dog from doing something like chasing cars or, you know, what it is we're talking about that we don't want to talk about is to make a quick, firm correction and teach your dog the command, leave it or no bite. You know, it's almost like a shove in the shoulder. Hey, leave it. You can do it by tugging on a leash real quick, again saying leave it or no bite, or by a quick poke with your fingers in the neck, all at the same time saying leave it or no bite. Something to change his attention to take it away from what he's doing. And as soon as he stops the behavior you don't want him to do, you praise him. Maybe even give him a treat. That's probably the most important thing. Always remember to praise your dog for desired behavior because you want to set your dog up for success. Hey, thanks so much. And as always, get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. 
They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143 That's 800-689-0143 this is Animal Radio. Which one should we go to? Let's go to line one this time. Oh, that would be Debbie. Debbie, you're on with Dr. Debbie. <laughs> Hi there. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Very good. What's going on with you today? I have a question about dog food for you. Uh, All right, go ahead. <laughs> it, it seems like uh, dog food is getting to be more like people food than dog food. Uh, when you look at animals out in the wild, it seems like they eat just raw meat and stuff, but we're putting grain and all kinds of antioxidants and stuff in the dog food. Is that really good for the dogs, or is it just to make us feel good? <laughs> well, you know, you, you raise a very good point in that dog food is way more complicated than it ever used to be. And some of it is because we know a lot more about what is important nutrition-wise, and then the other side of things is that dog food manufacturers know what we like to buy. And some of those things are completely unrelated to what's actually good nutritionally. So um, as far as you mentioned, as far as pet food and, and dog food in general, if we're talking about, you know, meat um, and that they're a carnivore, you know, dogs that if they eat an only meat diet, it is actually not the best diet. So... When dogs are in the wild, they eat meat, but they also eat a lot of other stuff, too. So there definitely needs to be something else in the food besides just plain old meat. And that's where some of the carbohydrates come into play. Um, as far as some of the other things, you know, are there particular like additives or things you were concerned about or just some of the things you're hearing nowadays? Well, just some of the things you're hearing, you know, you, it makes you wonder... You know, is it worth the money to buy this brand over that brand, or is it just, uh, you know, advertising trying to get you to spend more? Yeah. Well, I would definitely uh, caution people on getting falling in love with some of the different claims with dog foods. And, and if anyone listens to us on this radio station, I'm, I'm definitely one where um, I won't necessarily product bash, but I'll tell you some basic things that I try to avoid. And I don't like some of the marketing where we gear it towards, um, you know, some of the special claims of, you know, certain types of apples added, whole grain uh, foods grown in this area on the high mountain slopes of such and such. That to me doesn't mean hooey. (laughs) What I want to find is a good quality protein. And if we have things like um, meat meals, I'm all for that. That is not a bad thing. And then when we look at some of the things that we can add in, antioxidants, um, some preservatives are necessary. So those things are good. Um, there's some kind of clicky and trends now where we can see um, glucosamine being added to the food um, or other types of additives. And you know what? They probably don't hurt, but I don't know if it's going to be worth paying that extra dollar for something that 
in a dog food, we don't know exactly how much they're getting. So if your pet needs something like glucosamine, I'd rather you supplement it with a known product instead of just falling for a food that says it's a little bit better because it has that. Is there a... Is there a food uh, on the market, just, you know, regular, like you can go into Walmart and buy that's going to have... No, no, I can answer that. I can answer that right now. You know, all you had to say was Walmart. That's all you had to say. There is no food in Walmart. No, I'm saying that's not, that's not a bash on Walmart. I think that you'll agree with me, Doctor. There's nothing that you can buy in Walmart. I, I, I don't really no? hit the dog food shelves, so I can't say what's in there. But what I can say is that... You do get what you pay for. So some degree of being price conscious is important, but also protein quality and dog food quality does translate to what we're overall looking at, the cost of the food. So, yeah, I'm kind of with Hal. I I would probably stay towards something you can purchase at a pet store, um, at your veterinary office, uh, things like that versus just at a kind of a big store that doesn't really have a pet's nutrition in mind. Um, no, I, I never really like to say what food is bad because you can feed sometimes, and I'm going to cover your ears, Hal. Okay. Sometimes you can feed a food that doesn't have a high price tag that may be a name that isn't quite as popular, and, it, and a pet can do very well on it. So that is the truth. Now, I don't want anyone to say that you know any of these dogs on squirrel and beet pulp diets are, are doing really well, and Dr. Debbie says that's okay. But there are some foods that pets can do very well on that may not break the bank. So I'm probably not going to tell you what food you need because every pet's a little different, and if we have health conditions or other things, uh, there's more to that equation. So if you're seeing a high-quality protein, how do you know by reading the label it's high-quality? Ah, very good question. And, and some basic guidelines when we we're talking about protein is we would want to either see the name of the meat itself. Uh, do we see beef? The name beef, the name chicken. Um, or do we see the name, say, chicken meal? And chicken meal is actually a good quality um, protein. It's meat and it's with the skins, but there's no bones involved. So that's actually a good source of protein. What about byproducts? Um, are they good? Byproducts or? are down lower on the caliber of quality. Okay. And, and a lot of foods have them, um, so it's not that you should avoid them by all costs. But we want to make sure we preferably have a, a protein source that's a little better rated higher up. And uh, that just kind of depends also on your pet, what they like. You know, people used to say lamb and rice is the only way to go. And, you know, some pets really do better on a different uh, protein variety. So uh, it'll depend a lot on your pet. So the it's the order of the ingredients, right, Doc? Well, generally, yeah. When we look at the pet food label, at the top of the list of the ingredients, that's the highest uh, quantity or the highest uh, proportion. And then going down the list, it gets down to the lesser quality or the lesser amounts. Seems like a lot of these foods have grains at the top of the list. Grains are not necessarily bad to the average pet. There are animals that have grain sensitivities and we might avoid certain grains. But in general, um, there's no necessary reason to avoid a food that has corn in it um, or uh, wheat or um, you know other types of grains like rice. Well, another jam-packed show. Don't forget you can ask your questions all week long directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. All the details on downloading that puppy over at the website at animalradio.com. Have yourself a great week. We'll see you next week right here for more Animal Radio. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.